launched this series, we talked about Jesus being the good shepherd. We talked about Jesus being the gate. Again, if you weren't here, I would really encourage you to go back on the app or on the website and listen to that message. Very paramount in your understanding of Jesus, the good shepherd. Uh, but this week, I want to go into verse 2 that said, and we don't normally, you know, we're not really a church that does verse by verse, but but this time we are. And uh, so we're doing this. And verse 2 says this, that he makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet Waters. When the psalmist uses, when David says this, he's, he's again, he's, he is a shepherd. He understands shepherding. He understands sheep. He has a great grid for these things. So when he says this, what he's saying is that he knows that sheep rest the best when they're in green pastures. So when he says he makes me lie down in green pastures, he's saying that there is rest for us, that it is a place that we can rest. Isn't it interesting that the same place that we rest from is the same place that we feast from? That's why when you get into worship, it's restful, but it's also nourishing. He makes me lie down. He he makes me lie down. What happens when you lie down? You rest, right? Some of you don't. Some of you, you could get... 15 hours of sleep tonight, and you'd wake up and you wouldn't be rested because sleep and rest aren't the same thing, right? If you don't have peace, rest comes from peace, by the way. Uh, And uh, so we're talking today about being rested and refreshed, the green pastures and the quiet waters. This is a little hot, Albert, a lot hot, actually. Um, So what does that mean when David says this as a shepherd? What does it mean? to lie down in green pastures. Well, when I was studying this, I, I found out a lot about, about sheep and, and, and about what it takes for a sheep to actually not just be in a green pasture, but to rest in it. Are you with me? Sometimes we're in, and, and I can tell you, if you're in Jesus, you are in a green pasture. You, are in a, you might not feel like it. You might feel like you're in the desert, but you're in a green pasture. The question is, can you rest in it? Can you rest in the green pasture that God has provided? Ezekiel 34, verse 14 through 15 says this, Yes, I will give them good pasture on the high hills of Israel. They will lie down in peace and feed in luscious mountain pastures. (laughs) I like that word. They will lie down in peace and feed in luscious mountain pastures. How many of you ever like go to a restaurant and you eat and like sometimes like you go to McDonald's, that's not luscious, right? It's like, but sometimes you eat and it's like luscious. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Like you get some, some baby back ribs in front of you that have been smoked for like 40 hours. That's luscious. All right. He says this, he says, lay down me in peace and, and feed on luscious mountain pastures. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and cause them to lie down in peace. Did you know that God's plan for you is for you to have rest for your soul? His plan isn't for you to live frustrated and tense, waking up, staying up all night, trying to figure out how you're going to get the bills paid, trying to figure out how you're going to make peace with your husband or wife, trying to make peace with if you're going to find a husband or wife. He's not. His plan for you isn't for you to lay in bed at night awake. God's plan for you is when you lay down, when your head hits that pillow, that you are able to have a clean, calm mind, and you are able to rest, not just in your sleep, but in his presence. 
Listen, I believe today some of the things that we're going to share today are going to set you so free that tonight you're going to have the best night of sleep that you've ever had, and it might only be six hours. Because God wants to bring his people rest because he's the good shepherd, and this is the way he leads us. What we've done in the kingdom is, is we've, we've made being restful and being lazy the same thing. Oh, man, you don't, you don't need to do anything for God. Just rest in his presence. Can I tell you today that doing things for God helps you rest in his presence? In fact, obedience will bring you rest. It's kind of like this. How many of you have ever, like, slept in for, like, 13 hours or, like, 10 hours? And you wake up and you're like, I don't feel like I slept. You slept too much, right? But there's been other times when you've slept and you've got a good night's sleep and it was like six hours. And you wake up and you're like, dang, I can do anything, right? Come on, you guys know what I'm talking about. The key to, to being rested is not found in not doing anything and just coming to a, just coming to the revelation. Listen, that has a lot to do with it. But obedience will bring you peace. Listen to me. Obedience to God will bring a peace in your life that will help you sleep better. When I go out and I put a hard day's work in, like manual labor, I sleep good. It's just true. Because you were created to do that. We were created in God's, by God's workmanship to do good works. So the way to be optimized in your rest is be a good worker. Because that's what you were created for. Not as a servant, but as a son. All right, that was all free today. So in my studying, I found this, that to certain conditions must be met in order for a sheep to be well-rested. Certain conditions. The first condition that must be met is a, is a sheep must be free from fear. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that, that sheep are very, very prone to fear. They're fearful beings. They're kind of defenseless. You know, you guys have ever seen chickens? You walk up to chickens and they're like, run away, right? They got their little pea-sized brain. You throw them feed and they're like tripping out, right? Sheep are very similar. They're the same way. Sheep are sheep can be out grazing and you know just kind of like doing what sheep doing what sheep do and hear like a jackrabbit in the bush and they get freaked out and scared. They can hear like birds fly by and they're freaking out, like worried that they're going to be attacked. They're very prone to fear. Can I tell you today that as a human, that you are prone to fear? But let me tell you this this morning: fear is learned. You learn to fear, right? We call it wisdom. It's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, not the fear of dying or the fear of not getting the bills paid. So what happens is we, we learn to live with this quote-unquote wisdom. And I, I will tell you this, that true wisdom is amazing. But, um, and wisdom isn't knowledge, by the way. Are you with me? Wisdom and knowledge are two completely different things. Um, but wisdom is a little bit overrated sometimes. Because what it does, what we, well, at least what we call wisdom, because we learn to live in fear, right? Well, I better just be real, real careful with my finances. I don't want to be too generous or I won't have any money, Amen. right? Well, that's a poverty mindset, by the way. 
that's driven by fear. That's not the that's not a prince son mindset. It says I can be generous. My daddy owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He has no lack. He will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Your bills are going to get paid because you belong to the shepherd. He's a good provider. But we're prone to that. We, we're prone to worry. How many of y'all would agree with me that we're prone to worry? Um, and you, you would think this is, it, it works really backwards. Like most things in life, well, and I guess it, it, it does work straight, is that most things in life you get better at it the older you get. It's true. I get better at worrying with age. <laughs> right? Now that I have kids... Right now that I have obligations, some of y'all are like, man, I just don't know what I'm going to do about getting married. Wait till you have to provide for your spouse and provide for your kids. Like that brings your stress to a whole nother level. All right. So the thing is, is like we are prone to worry and live with this kind of fear thing over our life, just like sheep. Right. We, 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 we're, we're worried. We're concerned. We're, we get troubled. We're anxious. How many of y'all have lost sleep because you're worried about finances or someone's opinion of you or something? It's not going to work out. Am I going to get the job? Am I going to get the promotion? Am I going to get accepted by this? Are, this, are they going to like me? Are they, how many of y'all have lost sleep over these things? I know I have. I'm prone to that. But all that we would unlearn, all that we would unlearn how to fear it's like Yoda telling Luke Skywalker, right? You must unlearn what you have learned, right? <laughs> Prophetic Yoda. I wish I could do a better interpretation <laughs> or imitation. I said interpretation. No, I interpreted it well. Okay. Have we not learned yet that the good shepherd will never leave or forsake his flock. In fact, the fact that you're in a flock shows that you're being led by the good shepherd because the shepherd doesn't leave his flock. In fact, check this out. Even if you leave, he'll come out looking for you. This is how concerned he is for the care of your well-being. He is not like, well, if you want to go ahead and go over there, that's fine. That is not the way God feels about you. Worry has been, it's been said like this, that worry is a down payment on a problem that you may never have. My P- Pastor Richie, who we serve in Amarillo, used to say, worry works because 99% of the things that you worry about never happen. <laughs> right? But all that we would learn how good our Father is. All that we would learn how good our good shepherd is. Listen, and one of the things that we have to do is we've kind of got to get a little bit almost like learn backwards in, in the sense that, that we be like a child again. Right? That's why Jesus said you got to come like a, a child. Why? Because a, a child has unadulterated faith. It's, it's just easy. When I tell my kids something, they take it to the bank. They're not like, well, Dad, are you sure there's enough money in the bank for that? Right? Do they go, oh, Judah's stressing out in his room. I don't know if I'm going to be able to play video games next month because the electricity bill might not get paid. Right? That's exactly how he does when he gets stressed out. It's funny. We learn it. So what we've got to do is we've got to start developing a history with God. 
See, one of the one of the ways that we were able to come out here and plant this church, it's not that we didn't have moments of worry and moments of fear and mo- moments of questioning, but whenever we decided to plant this church, we had had a history of God coming through. Like we we were led many times. We had been led. We, we grazed in that, in that green field that God had provided. And we saw how good of a shepherd he was. And some of that history with God actually rose up faith in us to say, you know what? God's never failed us, and he's not going to. Listen, there's a few things that God can't do. One of those things is fail. God can't fail. Aren't you glad? It's not in his makeup. We are screwed up. We fail all the time. But God doesn't have that in his DNA. He he doesn't have it in his ability to fail you. You will fail him. He will never fail you. You will. You will fail God. And the good shepherd he is, he's just going to love on you anyway. And if you go running off, doing something stupid, he's going to hunt you down. It's just what he does. Good shepherds are always aware of their sheep. Always. Number two, so we're going to be fear. They must be free from fear if if they're going to sit down and rest in that green pasture. Number two, a sheep must be free from friction. Just like us, when they get stressed out, when they have friction with other sheep, then what happens is, is sheep are not allowed to sleep well where they're grazing. Um, now, with friction, there's 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 two forces involved, right? There's the afflicted. And there's the afflictor, right? Some of us are afflictors of tension, right? Dominant personality, right? Come over here. I'll butt you, right? I'll kick you. I'm, I'm a sheep. I'm head sheep, right? And some of us are not. We're like, okay, Mr. Sheep, Right? You're a sheep, more of a sheep than I'm a sheep, right? So some sheep feel like that they must step up and defend their rights and contest and challenge. Some sheep are mean. Although they stand a very little chance against predators, many times they can buck and kick and bully their way around for position. And in this process, they hurt other sheep. Sometimes the striving spirit will get so strong that a sheep will actually challenge his shepherd. Now, weak shepherds may feel threatened or intimidated by the bullying of a sheep. But not my shepherd. Oh, not my shepherd. I have a strong shepherd. There's, there's, no, there's no sheep, no ram. In fact, no bear, no lion. They can pose a threat against my shepherd. I have the good shepherd. And I'll tell you what, this is what he does with sheep like that. He makes them lie down. That's why it says in James chapter 4, verse 6, that's why it says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. When we are prideful, when we are trying to buck our way and bunt our way and bully our way around the kingdom, what God will do is he will humble us. It's not his heart. His heart is that we would humble ourselves. And he would exalt us. But that's not what we do. We get all prideful. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to pop, 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 pop. And God's like, I'm going to make you lie down. Boom. Oh, okay. I'm just another sheep. That's right. You sure are. 
But the other thing that he does is he brings peace. By doing that, what God does is brings peace to the other sheep. That's why when you have conflict with someone at work, if this has ever happened to you, you've had a lot of conflict at work. You try to go to the person, nothing's going on. How many know that we always go to the person we're having conflict with first before we go to an authority? Right? This is how Jesus taught us to do it. What we like to do is we like to go tell everybody else besides that person, which is called gossip, which is sinful. Or we like to go above them straight to the boss or whoever's in charge of someone that's got some authority. That's not the kingdom way. The kingdom way is to go to that. If you can't get it resolved, then you go up. You don't go over. You go up after that. And so what happens is with, when sheep get this contentious spirit, um, what happens is, is they can hurt the herd, if you will. And so what God wants to do is he wants to come in and he wants to bring humility to those, or they can humble themselves. Are you with me this morning? Sheep can humble themselves. Um, sometimes contention is just caused by a striving spirit. I don't know about you, but I'm a striver. I'm a striver. I don't know about you, but, but for me, like, uh, I want people's approval. I want them to like me. Uh, I want to win the argument. You know what I'm saying? That's my nature. But I've found that I must be one who was humble before my good shepherd. That I don't have to, I don't have to be at a place because I've had him many times humble me. <laughs> Come on, are you with me? I don't want him to have to humble me. I'd rather humble myself and let him exalt me. Let him do the exalting. But so many times, even in our friction, what we do is even sometimes there'll be a tension that's underlining just from us. And we get into that from like comparison, right? And one of the, the weaknesses of social media is we compare our weaknesses to someone else's highlight reel. And so we look at someone else's Facebook and they're like, oh, look how fat, happy their family is. And wow, they eat cheeseburgers every day and they're not fat. Right? Um, and so we look at, you know, people only put their best on there. Now, some of you only put your worst on there, and you need to stop that, too. That's even just as bad, equally as bad. Let's say worse. Uh, some of you, you don't, I don't, I don't have to go and find out how unholy you are. Listen, you go look at your Facebook, and then I can see how much you trust the Lord. But anyway. Or how you treat others or talk about others. Mm, okay. I will. I ain't scared. Um, ego, all these things, just this striving spirit to be better than those around me. To be something other than just another sheep. I want to have a nicer little bell around my neck, right? Insecurities. And what happens is when we have these things, we project them on others, and it causes uh, us to be edgy. It causes us to be tense, discontented, and restless. So what are we doing? We're bucking around. We're not prideful. We're, well, we are prideful, but it's, but it's rooted in insecurity, not ego. And so pride demonstrates itself one way. One is false humility where we're just like, I'm so insecure. Well, you're still thinking about yourself mostly. And the other is ego. Well, look at me. Look how awesome I am. I am a white sheep. My ears stand up. Right? Well, y'all keep me laughing. Y'all keep laughing. I'll keep going on that. All right. 
<laughs> but not sarcastic laughs. So let's get slapped. Okay. After service, because I know how to lay sheep down too. All right. Just kidding. All right. And what happens, listen, when we start functioning in these insecurities, we just start functioning with this forceful, kind of grinding, attaining, strivingness. What, what all that does is it isolates us. It isolates us. And again, the only kind of tre- sheep that travel alone are lost sheep. Only lost sheep travel alone. And so what happens is if you live your life in comparison to everyone else, what's going to happen is you're going to isolate yourself because all of a sudden you don't measure up to anybody, especially in our age where it's like, man, you know, Photoshop does great work. Nobody works out that good. Can I tell you, nobody works out as good as a computer can modify your body. Okay. So there must, we must be free from friction and tension and that striving spirit. You know, Jacob, you guys remember Jacob before God turned his name to Israel? You know, he was out in the middle of nowhere, and an angel shows up, which could have been Jesus. And he says, let's fight. Right? I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. This is the thing about Jacob. What do you think he was there for? Why was the angel there? He was there to bless him. But instead of him just receiving the blessing, he's decided to strive for it. So he lives the rest of his life with a limp, something that would have never had to happen if he would have just rested and just allowed God to bless him. Instead, he chose to strive. And what we do is we choose to strive. And what God wants to do is he wants to knock us down. He didn't want to knock us down, but he has to. Because it's the only way we're going to receive from him. You can earn nothing. You cannot earn your righteousness. You cannot earn your peace. So allow the good shepherd to lay you down. Humble yourself. Let him do the exalting. Let him do the position making. Be free of friction. Number three, y'all okay today? So number one, a, a sheep must be, in order to rest, must be free from fear, free from friction. And number three, they must be free from pests. Now sheep, and you guys have seen like cattle and stuff like that. Sheep will, uh, there's these flies, especially in Israel and dry climates. Uh, bot flies are sometimes called nasal flies. And what these flies do is they fly around the heads of the sheep, but they have a purpose. Their purpose is to is to get up in their nose and lay eggs inside their nose, and so this happens. So they they fly around, they get they get up inside the sheep's nose and they lay eggs, and then the eggs hatch, and then the larvae from those eggs will go up and they'll actually attach inside the head of the sheep, inside the nasal cavities and things like this, and then they start an irritant, and then they they, they start growing in there. You can actually look up pictures of this on Google. Not right now, but you can if you would like to do that. Um, and then eventually they, you know, metamorpho into a, you know, another fly. How many have ever had a bug in your life? Like something in your head you just can't get out. This is what sheep would do. They, when, when this happens is they'll, they'll, they'll start twitching all the time, 
right? They, they got like a tick, and they're, they're, they're moving their head around. And the next thing you know, they're, they're so irritated by this that they'll go up to a tree or to a rock and start hitting their head because sheep just aren't real smart. And so they start banging their head up against a rock, a, a, a rock or a tree, trying to get this. They don't know what's going on. They just know there's something irritating in their head. And so they start banging their head up against They can actually kill themselves by banging their head up against stuff. Sheep will, 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 will be so caught up with these, these nasal flies that they'll, they'll just start kicking and stomping and just start running, trying to, get, trying to get some relief from the things that are going on in their head, just running and running around until they get sheer exhausted and fall down. Can I tell you this morning that so many times we get things in our head, things are bugging us. Right? How many of y'all have ever been bugged by something? You don't know what it is? But can I tell you this, that you don't need the education to know what it is. Those sheep don't know what that is. They don't know what it is. They just know something is bugging them. And so what we, this is how we resolve those things that are bugging us. We spend a lot of time, energy, and sometimes money trying to figure out what's going on inside our head. That's what we do, right? Well, I'll go... I'll go here, and I'll spend money on this, and I'll spend money on I'll get this medication. Maybe this will fix my head. Maybe this will fix it. Maybe this will fix it. This will fix it. Maybe this will do it. Listen, you don't need a diagnosis. You already have the diagnosis. Something that's jacked up. Something's wrong with me. Have you ever been those moments? I know I have where I've had a moment before and like I'm having a hard time getting over something that's bugging me and I'll just look in the mirror or I'll get before God and I'll say, what is wrong with me? Has anybody ever had that before? Am I the only one? Okay, I'm, I'm glad. Thank you because I don't want to have to go get checked in somewhere. But this is what the shepherd does. Any, any shepherd that sees the first signs of, of, of this happening, of these bot flies, these nasal flies getting in, the, at, at first glance... A shepherd will go, and he'll, he'll get the oils and the chemicals that, have been provi- that he's purchased somewhere. And he'll go up to his sheep, and he'll begin to rub that sheep with these oils and, the, and these chemicals and these medications that will actually kill the flies, that will come in and bring resolve and bring healing to the issues that are going on inside these sheep. And immediately, Immediately, all the symptoms begin to fade away. Listen, isn't it good that we have a good shepherd? And David understood this when he said in verse 5, You anoint my head with oil. What is he talking about? He's talking about the good shepherd comes and sees one of his sheep that just ain't right. And he's hurting himself. And he's banging his head up against walls. And he's frustrated and he's desperate. And what does a good shepherd do? You're no good? No. He says, come here. Come to me. Let me take care of that. And he begins to pour the oil over our life. How much more the, the Lord Jesus, whenever he comes into our life, and he begins to take the oil of the Spirit and the oil of his presence, and he begins to wipe it on all those things that are bugging us. He begins to get rid of all those parasites that have come in and tried to steal life from us and drive us crazy. This is what he is doing. He is anointing your head with oil. Allow him to do it. The key isn't going to a shrink. The key isn't another counseling session. Those things may help. But the real key is going to the shepherd because he's got the oil. It doesn't matter what the diagnosis is. 
What matters is that there's someone who can deal with the issue, and his name is Jesus. Number four. Yellow rot today? In order for a sheep to be rested, let's go over these real quick again. Number one, he must be free of fear. Number two, free of friction and tension. Number three, free of pests. And number four, in order for a sheep to be rested, he must be free from hunger. From hunger. It's interesting to me that a sheep would be in a luscious green field and would be hungry. Just like sheep many times, we are not prone sometimes to eat what is in front of us. We always want what's in front of someone else. Come on. We always want somebody else's grass. But how many know that there's not a better grass? This is the grass he has provided. In a climate of ancient Israel, much attention would be made from a shepherd. How many know that shepherds weren't, they didn't just watch sheep. They actually took care of the ground as well. So what a good shepherd would do, you guys look, you guys know what Israel looks like. It's kind of like the desert. And so what they would do is they go in wherever they were going to herd their sheep and they go out and they start digging up rocks and pulling up weeds and preparing the ground. Rub some poop on it, right, to fertilize the ground. Whatever it took to get this ground in a condition so the sheep could graze there. And not just graze there, but rest there. And how many know one of the keys to resting is grazing? Right? Listen, Jesus paid a very, 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 very high price so that we can have fellowship with God and nourish our souls. There is a table set before you. There is a meal that is ready. It is there every single day of your life. It's the presence of Jesus. You have a if, if I asked you, how many of y'all have more than two Bibles at home? How many have a Bible in your pocket right now on your phone? And we're going, I'm just not being fed. So why not? You know, maturity, when I look at my children, maturity is defined on their ability to eat, to, 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 to fix their own meal. Mariah would be like, I'm hungry. Why are you telling me? You want a snack? You know where the snacks are. It's different with Uriah, our baby, our infant, or even Elisa. They're immature. They don't know how to go into the pantry and open the package. Right? So you have people all over. I've heard this so many times. You know, people have come to our church and said this. People have, I've heard, you know, been in the ministry a long time, so I've heard people say this. They said, well, I just left that church. I said, well, okay, well, what was going on? Oh, I just wasn't being fed. How old are you? Oh, I'm like 32. And you're not being fed, really? You're going to leave a church because you're going to be, first of all, a, fir, a, a church can't feed you seven days a week. You, you're getting, listen, that's why Jesus said daily bread. You can get a lot here on Sunday morning. You can come and get nourishment. You can come and be refreshed in the presence of Jesus. But it's only good today. 
Now, it might be something to spark some interest in you or give you a little bit of a compass. Listen, the church is a great compass, but we are not the meal. We can tell you where to go to get the meal. We're a great, you know, map quest, something like that, great uh, maps app, but we are not the restaurant. Are you with me? The restaurant, the place where you feast, is Jesus. It's in his presence. And so, so many times we're going around going, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And we eat just the crud that falls in our lap. When God's saying, I've got a beautiful feast for you. I've prepared this beautiful place for you not to just come and rest, but for you to feast in. And we go, I'm discouraged. I'm frustrated. Come to the shepherd. He's already placed you right here. This is how hard it is for you to eat spiritually. I'm not hungry anymore. I've heard that so many times. I'm not being fed. Listen, I just, I, when people say that, I don't know, you know, because I'm trying to be like nice pastor, like expectations. So I'm just kind of like, okay. Oh, really? Is that right? <laughs> and in my, my, my mind, and maybe y'all have told me this before, and I'm sorry if I offend you, but in my mind, I'm thinking immature. You're immature. If, if, there, if, you are ever, if you ever come to me and say, I'm not being fed, I'm not going to say, well, what can I do to feed you? I'm going to say, you're immature. You're an adult. Are you with me? Now, if you need some encouragement, that's something different. Right? Are you with me? Right? And if we get encouraged, we, we, need, or when we get discouraged, we need encouragement, right? We need the ability to have courage in our life. Then you, you go to people. That's great. But your daily feasting is not by some man spoon, fee, spoon feeding you. It's about you getting out your spoon. It might be your app or it might be your Bible. And you open it up and you feasting on the word of God and what God says. You feasting on the presence of Jesus. Man, when I got saved 20 years ago, like there was like you had to get like go to like to a store and like spend like 10 bucks on a worship tape. Now you can just go to YouTube and like get like an hour of worship. Good stuff. I was listening like celebrate Jesus, celebrate. I didn't care, dude. I, that's all we had. So I was like, oh yeah, Ooh, this is so good. It's deep. Ooh, celebrate, right? I'm like going after God, and uh, you know the music was like, dunk, 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 you know. And uh, I don't know, man. You guys have it good. Like there's plenty of stuff for you to eat. Like you got no complaints about eating. The grass. We, we think the grass is always greener. Listen, the grass never gets greener. The grass never gets greener. It may taste a little different because you got a better revelation than you did yesterday. But the grass never gets greener. There's not greener grass in the world than there is the grass that he has led you to rest in and feast on. And when we make excuses on why we are not getting fed, oh, if my home life would change, if my job life would change, if I had this person in my life, if I had this going on, if I just had more time. Listen, when we make those excuses, while we are not being nourished, we are saying that Jesus doesn't lead us well. We're saying that. We're saying, Lord, you don't lead me well because I can't eat. In order to bloom where we are planted, we must first of all be planted and feast on where we're planted. When a sheep realizes he's in plush green pasture, it's easy for him to have confidence and rest. You guys good today? All right, I'm going to keep going. Number second, that was his first point. 
with like a couple of A's under it if you're an outline person. He leads me. So he, he, listen, he provides a place for rest and a place of nourishment for your soul. And second of all, he leads you beside quiet waters. He doesn't drive you to quiet waters. He ain't going to make you go to the waters. He's going to lead you there. Now, why would it be quiet water? <laughs> because sheep get freaked out by loud water, right? The other reason why quiet waters is because sheep can't swim. So sheep need quiet, chill water. By chill, I'm not talking about the temperature. They need water that is easy for them to drink from so they don't have to fear of falling in. If a sheep falls into water, then what can happen is, if, especially if he's got a heavy coat, is his coat, that wool, will soak up that water and he'll drown. And so it's very important that the shepherd will lead him to a safe, calm place to drink. When sheep are thirsty, they become restless and set out on search for water to satisfy their thirst. If not led to a good water supply of clean, pure water, they will often end up drinking from polluted places where they'll pick up parasites. Are you with me? They can fall into rushing water, weigh down their wool, and drown. That's the other thing. We'll go and we think, oh, this is a good place to drink. Right? And we drink it, and the next thing we know, we're like jacked up. We got parasites. Because we didn't drink from the place that he led us to. Isaiah 43, 18 says this, forget, not, forget the former things and don't dwell on the past. Okay. See that I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Now let me say this because I, I hear people say this all the time and, and I, I, want, I wanted to help develop your grid for this. God doesn't lead you to deserts. God doesn't lead you to desert places. Oh, the Lord just led me to the desert. No, he did not lead you to the desert. Shepherds don't lead their sheep to the desert. If he leads his sheep to the desert, they will die. In the desert, there's no green to eat. There's no water source. God doesn't lead us to deserts. He will, however, lead us to a wilderness. What is a wilderness? A wilderness is a wild, untamed place, an uncomfortable place, but there's plenty to eat there. And there's fresh water sources there. So God will lead you to a wilderness, but he will never lead you to a desert. Sometimes we've got to go to the wilderness, just like John the Baptist did. We've got to get out in the wilderness to make room and way for Jesus in our lives. Are you with me? And so many times God will call us to the wilderness. He'll call us to a season to go out and, and do something wild and go on an adventure with him. But he does not lead you to deserts. The difference between the, the, the wilderness and the desert is deserts are lifeless and the wilderness produces. It may be untamed, it may be difficult, but there is still life there. Are you with me? So, in the wilderness, whether you're in the wilderness or you're just in the grazing ground where you probably are, but sometimes Jesus wants to lead you to a different grazing ground, and sometimes that is right in the middle of the wilderness. Are you with me? But he's going to make you lay down. And uh, what Jesus does is he always provides refreshing water for those that are following him. Are you all okay today? Okay, you all are good to go forward with this. Okay, good. In John 4, this, this is the way Jesus provides water. I love this. In John 4, we know the story about the woman at the well, right? The Samaritan woman. She was, she was a harlot, right? And so Jesus shows up. They're there at the well, and he's like, give me a drink. 
I mean, here, here it is, another man telling this woman what to do. Now, this is a woman that had no leadership in her life, and she was looking for love in all the wrong places, right? She was looking for love, and she was looking for leadership. Jesus was about to teach her that if he, she will follow his leadership, he'll provide both. And so Jesus starts talking to this woman, and she's like, she's like, oh, you know, da 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 And he's like, well, you know, he's like, if you drink from this well, you'll never be thirsty again. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, woman, I'm not talking about this well right here. I'm talking about this well right here. If you drink from me, you'll never be thirsty again. She's like, well, where can I get some of this living water? And then Jesus says this in John 4, 14. He says, whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. So listen, when we drink from Jesus, he doesn't just quench our thirst. He gives us wells. And so our mentality many times is, okay, Lord, here, fill my cup, and I'll drink the cup, and then I'll come back to you, and I'll fill your cup. He's like, uh-uh, that's wrong. You don't drink from cup after cup after cup. You drink, and you become a well. So I put the resource inside of you, the resource of the water of my spirit. I put it inside of you, and you will produce refreshing in fact, it won't just be something for you to be satisfied with your thirst and bring refreshing to you. It'll bring refreshing to those around you. And if you know the story of the woman, she's like, come, uh, come see a man that told me everything. And this woman drank from Jesus. Her life was totally transformed. What did David say in verse 5? You anoint my head with oil. We talked about that. Then he said this, my cup overflows. I believe J David is speaking just the same way that Jesus was speaking. You drink from me? You'll always have a drink because I'll put a hydrant in you. It's, it's cute, you know, when you go to Walmart or something. Elisa, not Walmart. We don't go to Walmart. We go to Target. Y'all know that's right. Um, Elisa will be like, water? Wawa? You know, she's like walking up to the little water fountain that they have there. And, of course, I got to hold her up. It's a pain, really. It's like I got to hold her and push the button and make sure she doesn't put her lips on the little thing where the water's coming along. <laughs> Weird. You, how many parents know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, great. You're like, the water fountain. You're walking by. Hey, Lisa, look. Hello, kitty. Right? <laughs> you don't want her to, because she wants a drink from that fountain. And, uh, you know, many times we come to Jesus like, that. oh, I just want a drink. I just want a drink. I just want a drink. Listen, there's always a drink. There's always a place to eat, and there's always a place to get refreshed. Are you willing to drink from it? My cup over flows. Again, Jesus doesn't simply give drinks. He gives wells. Some of you need to come into that mindset. What's the point? The point is everything that we need to stay refreshed and rested are within reach. That doesn't mean that you won't need somebody for encouragement, but we've got to take responsibility to understand that, man, I am in the care of the good shepherd who provides living water. I will never thirst for anything again. I'll just become this well. This will become in me. I'll just, I'll just be like pumping out like volumes and volumes of Jesus in my life, and I will feast on what he's provided. All we got to do is come to him. Just come to the shepherd. Just follow his leading. Isn't it good that we don't have to go out and search and spend a bunch of money and go get online and watch a bunch of YouTube videos or read a bunch of Wikipedia articles? Man, we can just go to the source of life and find it because this is where he leads us. Can I get uh, somebody in the band to come play for just a moment?
we're going to pray, and I've got two scriptures I want to, I want to put into you this morning. One is Psalm chapter 36, verse 8. This is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite scriptures right here. He says, you feed them from the abundance of your house. You feed them from the abundance. How many know that God's abundance is huge? I mean, if, God, if, if, if God's source is overflowing, that's <laughs> a lot of overflow. You feed them. You feed them from the abundance of your house, letting them drink from the river of your delights. I like to say it like this. There's a river in heaven called delight. There's a river in heaven called delight, and God wants to put that in you. In fact, I, I would just say this. If some of you are going to drink from that well today, you're going to become that well, but what's going to happen is you're going to have a delightfulness about you. You guys know what I'm talking about, like a, a delightfulness. Where we've been hard, or we've been frustrated, or we've been tentious, or we've been aggravated, or we've been bugged, God's going to come and bring delight.